To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Well, Tide, 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 it is uh, <laughs> a pleasure to have you uh, on the show. Uh, your presence is amazing. And, I, I, you know, with, with everybody, I start with a question. But before that question, the sweatshirt, what does the sweatshirt say? Oh, my gosh, it's so good. Um, so it says, God, give me a sign is what the sweatshirt says. Um, wow. Okay. It, What's the premise it, behind it? Interesting story behind this one, to be honest. Um, my banker in New York City at TD Bank, Evelyn Lambert, um, a dynamic West Indian woman who, when I lived on Wall Street, I started going to the bank near my house on Wall Street. And there were n- not very many people of color on Wall Street. And so we developed a relationship and she was just like, look, She's like, I know who you are, um, but I love what you do. And Mm. we formed a relationship. And so much so from L.A., I can call Evelyn and ask her anything about what's happening with my business finances or, you know, applying for PPE loans or anything. And she was like, right, right, this. She was like, in addition to my day job. I took this day job because I am a fashion designer and um, I really want to leverage my influence and my talent to help inspire people. And so she has a fashion line and this is her line. And when you talk about connection, God give me the sign. God give me a sign. Um, And so I purchased from her her line, um, she not only designs kind of like casual athletic wear and athleisure, but she designs uh, runway and couture. And so this is me supporting my sister, Evelyn Lambert. Um, and it resonates. But also very reflective. And that's what I was going to say. It, it aligns so much with you, so much with conversations we've had, so much with some of the questions and the things we're going to even talk about today. That's why I was like, this wasn't even planned for you to have that on, but it's so, so centric to everything. So now I can go back to the regularly scheduled program. And say, now we're back. When? Now we're back because this is going to come back though, because it's spot on, but I'm not surprised. Um, when you hear the word culture, what does that mean to you? The word culture to me means recognizing the power of how we live and how we establish our being, but also how we contribute to the being of others. Mm. I think culture for me, you know, it's a word that quite frankly, I think people may bastardize in some ways. You know, it's an overused term now because everyone wants to be of culture. But I think Great. for me, if I really reflect on it, the idea of culture is about how I show up in my being, but also how I influence other people to be. Love it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as you gave that great description of it, 
Um, I, I look at you as a major pillar within the culture of wellness and self-love, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about, and you're going to be able to share with those who aren't as familiar with you as I am. And so I would love for you to give everyone kind of a little background of who you are, um, a little bit about yourself, um, and then a little bit about your journey so that they can get some context as to why you are the epitome of this culture of wellness and self-love. Thank you. I love being the epitome of culture and wellness and self-love. I love it. Um, and thank you. Who am I? Ty Beauchamp is a vessel and a person who literally feels called and purposed on this earth to help women see themselves in ways that they've never seen themselves. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, challenging who we thought we were. Sometimes that is, you know, um, reflective of who we were once or at one time. And at other times it is empowering and motivating around who we're becoming. That's who I think I am <laughs> um, or I believe myself to be. I never feel comfortable defining who I am based upon my jobs or what I do for a living. Um, so what I do for a living and sometimes too much for a living, but what I do to earn, um, I feel really fortunate is purpose aligned for me. Um, I am the creator. I'm a creator. I am a person who gives space to people. Um, I think my special gift and talent is seeing people um, and making sure that they know that they feel seen in that moment um, and then championing them to be whoever they want to be. Um, as far as titles or association professionally, um, I've been an entrepreneur for uh, almost 17 years this March. So March 26th, 2023 will make 17 years that I filed at EIN and was like, what the hell? Um, and, and this was before entrepreneurship for black women, especially was, you know, at the peak that it is right now, where we all see it as something that is desirable and something that you want to reach for. Um, I became an entrepreneur after having a very highly celebrated, um, career as a magazine editor and a journalist. I worked at Oprah magazine. I worked at Harper's Bazaar. I worked at 17 magazine. I worked at Essence and Suede. Um, I worked at InStyle Magazine as an editor where I, you know, had some really um, incredible um, and monumental appointments before social media. So they didn't get a lot of <laughs> the recognition that I think a lot of right, people right, have, right. you know, with social media. I'm a TV host and a producer. Um, I'm the founder of Morning Mindset and I'm the co-founder of Brown Girl Jane the um, preeminent beauty and wellness brand that I founded with my Spelman sisters to support black women on their journey to wholeness. So you are, you are truly all the things and I, I've been able to experience a number of those elements uh, over the years um, with the spaces that you create, which are amazing. And as someone who's, you know, ethos, I say has always been to kind of unlock and celebrate your authentic self right, everywhere you go and embody self-love. I, I feel like you had to have come from a space of not loving yourself at some point everywhere you went, right? Do, do you remember 
like when the moment was and the seed that you had to water to then become the example of true self-love? That's a great question, Aster. I, I would imagine if I'm honest, there are probably multiple times because I think that, you know, once you get to this juncture in life, um, not just from an age and standpoint, but from an experiential standpoint, you start to realize that you'll have these moments again and again, right? So if I were to think about the first time I perhaps had that moment um, was recognizing that the way that I grew up in a traditional, in an untraditional household or multiple household setting wasn't the norm. I, you know, mm. was born to young parents in Newark, New Jersey in 1978. Um, my mother, a teenager, my dad from, you know, the suburbs outside of Newark um, or outside of Elizabeth, actually. And I grew up having three homes. You know, I literally and I didn't know it was weird or odd because I lived with my father's parents and my father during the week. And on the weekends, I went to my mother's family's house um, and my mom and my grandmother, Mary, who I was a caregiver to um, later, which was another moment for me. I think that was illuminating around the self-love piece. Um, you know, when my, when my paternal grandmother died and I had to shift my existence in being later, um, that was at eight. But then at about 12, I realized that I didn't have what was a traditional setup. I have, I'm mm -hmm. a mother's only child. I have now four siblings from my dad and, you know, when you are a child and you're looking at the social constructs that say that this is celebrated, this is appropriate, this is what's right, this is what's normal, and then you realize how abnormal you are to those constructs, you realize like either someone's right and someone's wrong. So who's right and who's wrong? And right. I think from a self-love perspective, then I had to train myself and train the people around me who you know, were perhaps children and didn't have the same experience to say that actually this is loving. This is loving. This situation is loving. It wasn't the traditional setup of what a loving family or institution might look like or constitute. And so I think that that was the first time. Um, I think later in life, like being raised by two single black women, and I'm always going to lead with being a black woman unapologetically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I live in all spaces and honor all people of all walks and experiences. Right. Um, and that is actually one of my gifts. But I think, you know, once I became aware, I went to an all girls high school and then I went to Spelman College. And when I became aware of some of the experiences that my mother and my grandmother felt challenged by, when they didn't have perhaps support and resource to feel the love that I know they deserved. I realized that I had to learn some of that for myself. Um, and they taught that to me as well, but I also leaned into that. Um, and then I think self-love later, heartbreak. I mean, that's real. That be happening. Very, that be happening. <laughs> heartbreak happens and you're like, okay, when you rely on someone to love you and it doesn't right. show up in the way that you want and then you have to train and teach yourself. And then again, you know, really, I think with just evolution of life and ebbs and flows of having, you know, extreme levels of achievement and financial success and success and all of those things. And then when it's not there, 
and you have to love yourself yeah. in spite of. So I can give you a myriad of moments. No, it's, it's, like, it's, I get it. And it, it's really, it sounds like one moment that you gave as an example was you built the muscle of going against the programming of what was being instilled in you as to what love should look like, right? So that in itself is a very, uh, I think, tough exercise to do because when you're a minority in something, you automatically assume the majority is right. You were talking about somebody right and wrong. It's easier to default to the majority because it's more of, but, but we also know especially in our spiritual walks, that just because it's more, it doesn't mean it's better or right. So you built that muscle, which is awesome. And then you also saw it in the family when they weren't receiving or getting the type of love that they deserved, right? So now you're kicking in to think, all right, what are the things I need to do to ensure people who should be getting it, get it. Yeah. And so now I'm getting even more context as to why you were so good at what you do um, and how and why you pour so much into it because you, you, you came from a place of pouring into real loved ones and also seeing real loved ones not being able to receive it or have it, which yeah. now I get why your foundation is so solid in this space and why I'm always like a champion of you and reinforcing and trying to remind you, keep going. Please, you have to keep going. What you're doing, you do. so spot on. You do. so, you know. Wait, the no, it's real. That the way you distilled all of that, I just have to say, as a journalist, like it's it's also very interesting and odd for me. I was saying to a team member earlier, like I'm not naturally voyeuristic, and so like I'm a journalist. So I'm I'm like the person who wants right. to ask you the question. So I'm always like, and then when I have, you know you know, the few who really get it and are able to distill, I'm always just in awe and just so grateful because even in your description, it helps me to reflect on things perhaps that I didn't consider. And it That's also right. challenges me in ways to, um, to recognize in those moments when I'm not in that space, why it's important yep. to remain anchored to the why, to the That's why. Right. To the why. Yep. Yeah. So, because once you get anchored in that why, you never lose your way. And I think that's why I think I look at for every one of your ventures that you take on, confronting self acceptance and self worth and self self love is vital yeah. for you. Yeah. It's like a non negotiable. Yeah, for sure. So, so with that, so so with that, you know. There's got to be some key principles to creating now a culture, though, of self-love and wellness. What, what are some of those key principles then? Oh, that's such a great question. I, I think, so there are principles that relate to me as an individual. And then there are principles okay. that, we, um, that we, quite frankly, extract from who I am as an individual. And I feel blessed and really fortunate, so blessed to be able to take who I am and then you know, impart that in ways in the world, right? In business and in enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, I realize that for many of us that that's not always the case. Um, but my personal principles around affirmation, um, reflection, mm -hmm. around movement, around gratitude, 
around embodying love and choosing love, even and especially in those moments where it's most difficult. I was challenged mm-hmm. with that today, to be quite honest, you know, um, and, and then reminding myself to be conscious in that. Those are principles that are mine, right? Um, nice. But they're all rooted, quite frankly, in, um, for me, and I say this unapologetically, in what I believe is God's calling on my life, right? And so mm. the God's calling on my life is to show up in these ways so then that way, you know, who I am, not because of who I am, but because of the light that shines within me can be magnified and not just magnified, but amplified and multiplied so that other people experience that. And that that's a principle mm-hmm. of mine. And so then that, you know, kind of impacts like how I show up and work. You know, it's also, you know, why, you know, with Morning Mindset in particular, which was literally created not out of any um, thoughtfulness, but more... Mm-hmm. I feel crazy saying that because I wouldn't have believed that I'm probably super thoughtful both in business and in life. No, it was dropped on your spirit to do. It was just like, all right, and I'm here and I'm going to come back again tomorrow morning at six o'clock in the morning and again the next day at six o'clock in the, and again and, and then just keep doing it. And then like hiking, which changed my life. And so my principles in business is like, really, does it impact lives in a positive way? Are people able to see divinity? Now I describe it as divinity, but the world and the secular world and culture might define it as um, empowerment, or they might mm. define it as elevation, or you know, a being afforded a space to amplify your talent, your skills, and I def- define it as divinity. Are people able to experience the divinity that lies within them in these spaces? And again, this is just for me um, because I don't necessarily feel like, you know, in this world, I have to walk around and talk about divinity in this way or kingdom in this way or God in this way or creator in this way. But that's a principle for me. Um, And the other principle is, is it something that people not can not only tap into, but hold on to because it's mm. very diff- different you know what happens in in commerce and in enterprise as we know we give people things for the the moment that's a trend but can you hold on mm. to that and what is what is that mm. really doing for you and your spirit are you able to go deeper and grow deeper in that so i don't want to create anything that is literally um trending it can be a trend but I don't right. want it to be trending. I want it to be something that you take with you that transforms you, that elevates you, that inspires you. Um, and so I, I feel really blessed. I feel that that emanates not only in some of the, you know, enterprises that I'm a part of and created Morning Mindset and Brown Girl Jane, but when I speak on TV, I'm like, I'm going to speak with the light so that way you feel the light. That's right. Then you feel like whatever, if I'm selling you this phone, like you gonna you gonna believe that this phone is going to do X, and really kind of right. anchor in a new way and 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 transform you ultimately. So I think transformation is definitely a part of one of my principles. Yeah, and and you've been consistent with that because if you even look in early on in your career, 
you recognized how different the black experience was uh, from everyone else's. And you've been very vocal on the psychological impact that's, at, that's had on young black women in particular. And, you know, how they are forced to compartmentalize parts of their personality that you're just talking about, not being their authentic self. Um, and be selective with how they present themselves at times. Why did you choose to devote your life, though, to changing something that is seemingly way, way bigger than you, and in some cases woven into the fabric of our culture? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I, I choose to devote, <laughs> chose to devote my life to it. I feel like my life has chosen it, to be honest. I mean, if I'm honest, I... Um, <laughs> I, and, and and I'll be honest, I struggle in some ways because there are spaces and places I don't necessarily want to live in. And then I hear, you know, either from someone that I know that's like, you need to be here because this is a space to be in. Or I hear a calling that says you need to be in this space. Um, so I think I've been been chosen. But in addition to that, after being chosen, I realized I can't show up and in these spaces and not... Um, literally do so fully and completely because I also remember young Ty. I remember, you know, being the gangly tallest in the classroom, jolly green giant, you know, all of those things, adorable in her own way, but corny in some Absolutely. ways, cool in, cool in some ways, but all the things like, you know, just the levels of it and knowing that it didn't, you know, resonate and I didn't have the space. And honestly, right now, Aster, I said this, I, I only came to terms with this really recently. So I may have only said this out loud once or twice ever. I think I did okay. have a morning set recently. Um, but someone asked me who I created morning mindset for. And mm, I was great like, question. Everyone. Someone was like, I was like, it's for everyone. You know, I definitely want women to see themselves and know that it's okay to be vulnerable because as a black woman I didn't wasn't taught how to be vulnerable I'm still learning how to do that my mom and my grandmother were mm -hmm. the epitome of examples of strength I'm sure they had vulnerable mm -hmm. moments I wasn't given license and um, exposure to a lot of those um, just a few but when I was asked this question most recently and I think about my mom and her incredible journey right you know degreed multiple times, you know, retired, educator, you know, done things in her life. But I also know that she's still trying to reconcile some of her history and her legacy for herself, not me, for herself. Right, right. yep. And right. I realized, right. you know, I really want Morning Mindset to reach that woman who feels like, you know, I'm afraid to go there. But she feels like she has a safe space to go there. And so I feel like my role in culture is to make not only wellness cool, but healing cool, our truths cool, our layers cool, our dimensions cool, um, and then help us to figure out how we navigate getting to the next plane. Now, here's the thing. I don't have all the answers in that because I'm figuring this stuff out. Correct. So, real talk. But mm -hmm. to be in community as we do it. Yeah, no, and, and I, I see that in everything you do. Um, and as, you know, a, a beautiful, intelligent, confident, spiritual black woman in this industry, 
you know, what, if anything, do you fear when entering these spaces that you're entering? Um, where again, you're not the majority or the mass. Yeah. I think at this point, my greatest fear about entering into these spaces is not being able to help others who don't see the possibility and the promise of our existence and making it ourselves. Like, I mean, that's what it is. I think the thing I fear is it's not me showing up and people liking me. I, I actually don't want everyone to like me at this point in my life. I actually want to do certain about things that, that yeah. are completely disruptive and people are like, I thought I like 1000%. Like, like, no, legitimately, yes. Or someone said, someone said to me that someone said to them, like, is she really always that positive? Now I'm not. There, there are parts, <laughs> but 89% right. of the time, 89% of the time. That's right. You right. Know, I have truths in other spaces, but like, if you don't want to like me because, or not feel like connection to me because I emanate positivity and light, you're not for me. And so, that part. I don't go into spaces for people to like me anymore. I go into spaces to show up um, as my full self for me, but then a representative of yep. all of the possibilities so that other people who don't have the opportunity to be in the spaces I'm in. I mean, I think about the stages right. that I've, I've stood on that most people, I mean, it's like 0.00% of the world will ever be there. And so I don't take it for granted because it's not about me being in those spaces that that's right matters. It's about like the opportunity and the position that I can hold for other people to come there. And that's, that's right. Stage. In, in space. That's on the stage, but that's also in the store. I went to pick up away luggage today and Taraji was in the store getting her away luggage. And, I mean, Taraji Henson. And I was like, and, and I've, and I've met her several times at work. I was like, Taraji is touched. She's like, Oh my gosh, great to see you. Whatever. But my kindness to the to the people in the way store matters as much. So that way, when black women and brown women are right. in spaces, that we're not looked at weird or odd, or a woman who feels less confident showing up in these spaces because perhaps it's her first time purchasing expensive luggage. I don't know. Whatever that is, and mm -hmm. so I don't. I don't know if. If I, if I have a fear around me being in these spaces, but I know that when I'm in these spaces, I don't want it to just be for me. Well, it is it. It is it. I mean, you made it very clear and it's, it's 1000% correct that the light that you have is not meant to go into an environment and change into the environment. Your light is meant to go into the environment to help change the environment. The environment. Yes, you get me. Okay, no, we uh, always that that, that that's always <laughs> no, but but that is that's part of the responsibility that you have with your gift and your purpose. Is that the intent? Is that you're not supposed to go into these uncomfortable spaces and play into the uncomfortable. You're supposed to make those who are comfortable in being uncomfortable. You need to be like, it, well, those who are comfortable in their space needs to get uncomfortable with the change that needs to permeate into that, right? And so you have to be the beacon and that light um, within those times. And so, you know, we, we, we see 
the, you know, the external bravery and the courage and the class that you carry yourself with. And, and I wonder what inner dialogues that you have to kind of help push you through daily for that. <laughs> Get your ass up. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. There'd be tons of inner dialogue. Like, you know, the inner dialogue is hard. I'll be honest. Like as an entrepreneur, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, because again, my everyday life is not singular to me. Um, and right. so that's right. I think the inner dialogue, I mean, like, as I have to provide for people, I have to, you know, show up in a way that makes people feel inspired to want to do whatever it is they're called to do. I think the inner dialogue mm -hmm. for me is, um, one Lord use me. I mean, that's real Lord use me, right. order my steps and help me to be honest with myself in the world about where I am at any given moment. And, you know, sometimes my transparency mm. is a little bit for some people, you know, I definitely, mm. you know, have had situations when I talked about freezing my eggs like 10 years ago or 12. No, it's like probably, Oh, it's 10 years ago now. You know, my family was like, mm -hmm. do you have to share all that? You know, so there, there are constant inner dialogues, but like, you gotta, you gotta get them all that. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. I think my inner dialogue now is I just, I want to, I want to be used fully, but at the same time, I want to be whole. And so I think mm. today where I am as a 45 year old woman is also recognizing that I don't want to impact culture to the detriment of, you know, losing who I am. Yeah, we, because I also right. know that that is a part of the process. And that's what I think is really important about understanding just enterprise in life as a whole. We say life is a journey. And, and I think people, when they say life is a journey, they almost say it like in a cavalier way, right? To kind of mm -hmm. excuse excuse a behavior or a performance or a lack thereof or whatever in a moment. But life as a journey really to me means that what I don't get exactly how I would like to get it right now, I have an opportunity to get it right next. And so, mm. you know, that's, that's, that's part of my inner dialogue. Like, let me show up as my full best, most authentic self today. Um, let me be covered. Let the people I touch be covered. Let this be something that matters. Um, and if I don't get it right today, give me the strength tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's almost this sense of you never feel defeated. You never feel defeated with that uh, approach um, because you're you're constantly a whip, a work in progress, right? Which we all are. Some put way too much pressure on themselves to be a complete body of work and, and not have this journey that helps to shape and mold you along the way. And so the, your approach is one of, there's never defeat or loss. It's all learning, right? So on the other end of that though is, are we able to identify the triumphs? Are there triumphs that you could say, but that felt good, like achievement was made, yes. Yeah, I, I have lots of triumphs these days too. Um, and. 2023 this year is going to be a year of all the triumphs and reaping um because i've been so intentional about sowing 
triumphs for me are getting text messages from people like the one I got today about a recent hike, you know, um, that said it's transformative. Um, and actually a hike that we did in, uh, December, um, there was a young woman there and she literally sent me the most incredible text message about how she was introduced to me. And she said, the safe space that was created and the warmth that she felt from me and the warmth that she mm -hmm. felt from the tribe and the community and the warmth that she felt from my team. I mean, it was incredible. I said, that's a triumphant moment. And then there are also like big stage triumphant moments. Black, uh, Brown Girl Jane got into the Sephora Accelerator. You know, our business Ooh, is just- Congratulations. Thank you. Um, that was just uh, announced uh, back in December. And, you know, now being a part of this accelerator, you know, hitting 2 million in revenue with Brown Girl Jane in 18 months, they're triumphs. Mm. Um, securing our first sponsorship with Morning Mindset is a triumph. And yet still the triumphant moments are sometimes in, you know, a conversation with my mentee on Morning Mindset, who I met at 17, who was telling me that she's a vessel of creativity. She's clear about her pur purpose. You know, there are so mm. many different triumphant moments. I think, I think where we, we kind of like hit a wall on as a people and as a community is that when we only see triumph associated with money, Boom. title, Boom. Um, Boom. and I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek those things because those Correct. things just the platform for us to elevate in other ways. And, you know, obviously this is an enterprise. We need those resources, but I think we have to challenge ourselves to understand what the triumphant moments are. I have a triumphant moment when I, don't when I don't respond in a certain way that I actually feel mm. because I've taught myself to you know sit and you know process that before you re you respond not react right so like those are triumphant moments um and I Good. think that you know I, th I think actually one of my greatest lessons around achievement and growth in life and in business and in what I how can we celebrate the smaller triumphs that actually have greater impact on how we shift our own thinking, how we inspire new thinking in others, how we are able to really reframe things that were perhaps traumatic or defeating before. That's trial over me. I love it. That's you know I um I let well you you're seeing it you're able to see it and appreciate it at all levels where, where so many might miss the beauty of the small step um, that gets them towards what they deem as the big triumphant steps. But that too is a journey, right? Of it takes putting one foot in front of the other step by step to get to this goal. But it really is about the discipline. It's about the discipline of taking the steps. And taking the steps is appreciating and valuing the triumph in each one of those steps. And you've, you're mastering that, which, which is awesome. And so I, I want to ask this beauty question, right? Because beauty is a term, the I think, brown girl definition. Jane. I said the answer is brown girl Jane. I love it. Any beauty question, the answer is brown girl. I love it. Everything's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, no. Because I, I think that the, the term, 
whose definition is forever evolving and it is very subjective person to person, I, I want to hear how you define beauty today. And before you do that, I want to give you a story even for myself uh, within this beauty space. And because I'll never forget, I I've been a dove that person the majority of my life, I guess, because I think my mom bought dove all my life. Mm -hmm. So that's all I knew in terms of soap and all that. But it yeah. wasn't until I <laughs> got older and had girls and I just started looking at some of the product. And I'll never forget this one thing that stood out for me one day that I read and it said on one of their products, from dark to normal skin. And I was like, what product is that? Wow. Ooh, it might've been like a shower gel or something, but it said from dark to normal skin. And I'm like, wow, that's a very deep statement. If you really look at it, what's an imp what it implies. It, it's implying that there's a level of beauty that's associated with normal skin that's not of that of dark skin right it, it was I, am i doing too much there no you 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 i okay. mean okay listen I, I was a beauty editor so i i remember all of the things there was a there was a product that i won't say the larger company that created it but it was called ash relief and i will never ever forget my dear friend what I will never, ever forget. I was at Oprah at the time. So this was 2001 or 2002 or maybe 2000. And they were launching this product. And she's like, what do you think of the name? I was like, are you serious? Are you calling me? But yeah, I want to hear the rest of your question. The the, the beauty question is. So, so no. So my question and the reason why I use that story, and I think it was probably normal to dark skin is how it was um, labeled on there. That is it a programming subliminally that is defining beauty for the, uh, somebody looking at that, right? It's saying that, implying that, the dark is not normal, which then should mean that the dark is not beautiful. So that's why I ask you, to what, what, what how do you define beauty? You. Yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, that, that story is so triggering, I must say, and like, because, no, and not in a, not in a bad way, but in a illuminating way, because I'm grateful that our consciousness mm -hmm. has shifting from what exactly. was the standard practice and behavior, I think, of a lot of brands who got it wrong. And I'm grateful that yep. there are that they're trying to remedy and get it mm -hmm. right. The only way to do that, quite frankly, is to make sure that you have representation and reflectivity mm. inside organizations to actually direct that. And that's culture, Aster. Thanks. That is culture. Culture means reflection and reflectivity of the communities and audiences that you want to buy. That you serve. That you serve. That you serve. That you serve. And that serve you. Listen, period. That's is that's it. And and that's culture. Reflection. Culture is reflection. Mm. Culture is also driving. Um culture is 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 not stagnant. Culture should illuminate and direct too, healthily. Love that. But with a mindset of cognizance around where we are and where the possibilities are. That's the culture question. Sorry, because mm. that really is triggering for me because I remember those days. You know, um, yep. as I said, they weren't so long ago. And that's the thing. It was twenty years ago. It feels like forever ago, which was not that long ago. And then, you know, and then on the flip side, I want to celebrate the inroads that we've made, you know, 
because when we talk about reflectivity, there were so few black beauty editors. I mean, Tia Williams, Tasha Turner, Mia, Baze, Mickey Taylor, Stephanie Scott, Pamela. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if I missed anyone from Honey. No, Mia was at Honey. There were so few of us. Um, Tasha was at Vibe, right? Tasha Turner was at Vibe. I was at Oprah. We worked together. Uh, Mm-hmm. There, there were, there were just, but there were so few of us. And so when I think about those times and even think about the progress that we have now to have, you know, the Elaine Welteroffs, the, the, you know, the Chanel's of the world, mm-hmm. the, there's so many and, you know, to have organizations that are devoted to it. So that actually speaks to me. And so with that, as I define beauty, the way I define beauty today is identity. So. It's about identity. Beauty is identity. That's what it is for women. It's how you identify mm. and how you see yourself. And it's how mm-hmm. you see yourself and then how you show up so that other people can see you. And so it's not something that is just topical. It starts here, but then, you know, how do you express that outwardly? And, you know, we've come a long way, but that's why I think until we focus our beauty conversations on internal development, um, peace and element for women and girls and people, then we miss the opportunity to actually see and understand true beauty because it's not, this is not a numbers thing. This is not, Mm -hmm. it's not a numbers thing. It's not a complexion thing. This is about how do we actually help people to identify and identify create an identity for themselves that feels elevated and supported and nurtured and seen and felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's beauty for me. Um, and thank God the industry has changed and is evolving. We're not Shifting. where we need to be. Correct. Um, because I don't work to think do. the normal, I think the word use, the use of the word normal in any, in any um, context of body care, skin care, or makeup is foul. It's sending a message. Yeah. So, you know. yes, agree. Agree. Uh, again, I, you wearing that sweatshirt, perfect and so spot on. Not surprised at all because we we constantly are talking about how present God is in our lives. I mean, like constantly. And I know there's been times where we all kind of question God's plan. For- That's one of the reasons why I just really have such a beautiful love and affinity and appreciation for who you are. Um, mm. Because I think that so many of us can show up in spaces and that goes back to the beauty moment, actually, Esther, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that goes back to the beauty. No, moment. no, no, please go ahead. True and full beauty, co- you know, comprehensive beauty is not limiting. And, you know, the kids now will tell you that because they don't want to assign or align anywhere. Now that's a different conversation because I still have to wrap my head around some of that right. different conversation. But but full beauty and identity to me is not leaving any of who you are on the table or at the back door. You know, you know, I I, I was raised by my grandparents, so certain people would come in the house. They'd be like, "You got to leave that at the back door." That's right. You got to leave that at the back door. Don't, don't, don't bring that to the front door. You got to leave that back there before you come up in here. And That's I right. think beauty is being able to not leave a piece or any piece of you at the back door. 
Mm. Now, the trick about that is that we have to go into spaces and figure out how we're going to be received in that space. But it's a conscious decision for ourselves to show up in our full identity, however we see that. Uh, So, yeah, that that just that just hit something with me. And I think, you know, until we really allow space and afford space for that, that's where culture becomes minimized, where culture is not as expansive as it can be. Because we're constantly trying to police and or say, leave that at the back door. No, that that was needed to be said. I'm so glad you interrupted. That was so needed to be said. And going back to my my point about how much we talk about God in our lives. And, and, you know, there's been times where we all question God's plan for us. um, As you do all this great work within this culture um, and yet face all the difficulties and roadblocks, is there ever a time where you question if you're really doing his work or is this more you doing your work? Basically, how do you clear your mind to really lock in to hearing the sweatshirt? Show me the sign. I definitely know I operate because I, I wouldn't be here doing this. I think it would be so much easier in many ways to do other things, to be honest. Right. Um, I think yep. choosing every single day um, to show up. And I don't get it right all the time. I don't get it right all the time. No, you're not supposed to. But but I'm I'm clear though. I'm clear that um and that's what that's what keeps me going. That's what, you know, makes me feel ignited and fueled to do it. And also, quite frankly, I've learned that there are times that I have to arrest and pause Mm -hmm. my own mission and vision that becomes something that Ty thinks she has to do. And that's Mm -hmm. when I'm also tapped into not only spirit and God and knowing what needs, but that's where the people around you need to reflect. So for instance, we have had conversations and I'm like, yeah, this ain't easy. The hikes alone, you I produced and funded you know, we've had a couple of partners, but this is me, you know, holding it down with my team in other spaces. And God sent me the sign and sends me signs when Aster shows up to a hike, not one time, but multiple times, right? And comes back and is like, this is good. This is something. So. I well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you right now. Let me interrupt you right now for a second. It is not that it's good. I still struggle with the words to describe how transformative the experience that you create is. I've told you that. I tell everybody that about these amazing, I don't even call it a hike, experience with with the the affirmation moments, the the sound bath. Like you've, you've changed my life with this experience and so many more of just the openness of what you are exposing people to and the 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 what your the, the culture and the space you're creating is super transformative. So please don't ever put good in the same sentence of what you are creating. I'm literally like about to cry. Don't make me cry. No, thank no, you. I listen and I can go on and on, but go ahead. Go go back to your point, please. Let me let you finish. Thank you. Like I'm thank you. Thank you. 
and I know that that's just, you know, that's just presence of God and me answering, but also knowing this, like to take it back to this culture piece, like, you know, I said this the other day, I was in Miami. We did a morning mindset with high hiking experience in Miami with, uh, I think I remember that that was at the end of last year, towards the end of last year. Towards the end of last year. Exactly. During our Basel. Yeah. Right. And so we did a, we did it during Basel and Athletic Greens was our incredible partner and we did it on the beach and literally people came to the beach and stayed there and invited friends. People left and went and got their stuff and came back and they said, I just felt called to this space. And I think, you know, I had a couple of friends who were like the cool hot girls, like the cool hot girls, like the fly fly ones, cool hot girls, fly fly hot, like hot ones. And I was like, you know, as someone who fell in love with hiking when I moved to Los Angeles five, a little more than five years ago now, um, like I, I want to make being connected to earth and spirit and community and health and wellness cool like it doesn't have to be the fly bag all the time or the hot shoes that's right i especially because for us as people as black and brown people connection to the earth is fundamental for how we show up that's that's where we got our healing that's where we got our nutrients but now if we're if we're so concerned with and nothing wrong with a private jet i like those too but like if that's put there with but like, if we're so concerned with being in the sky, like, when are we going to be grounded? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so I want to, that's part of like what I feel is my cultural calling because I feel with that it's connecting to God and spirit, but also the, the root of understanding how we're supposed to elevate in this world, how we're supposed to sprout up and rise from the ground. Like I want to have all of those kind of nuances and, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful with what we're building. Morning mindset with Ty is just, you know, just beginning, you know, I started it during the pandemic and alongside Brown girl Jane. So I think that, you know, the other thing is that during the pandemic, you know, those years ago, it was a global conscious reckoning that happened. And for me, it was enlightenment around what really matters, you know, what really matters. And, and, so I haven't even shared with you all of the stories of the pandemic that that really shaped me. Man. Really shaped Man. me. Like, well, well, you're you you you're well on your way to do all the things in this space. Um, and I'm gonna continue to cheerlead, support, reinforce more I think the key word that I wanna remind. Remind. Because as you're going through this journey of doing something that's so different yet so, so needed, it could become easy for you to take a step back and say, let me not do that or let me pivot to something else. So I, I want to be that constant reminder that you need to keep going in the space, in the way in which you're doing it. Um, because you're already making tremendous progress, but there's so much more that you're going to be able to do. So I'm going to be your reminder I I'll, I receive it. I will take Aster Chambers as the reminder. <laughs> the, the reminder. And so, I'm Brad, ready. I want you to leave. Okay, <laughs> I want you to leave three seeds because, and you so eloquently just talked about 
um, how you plant these things and what they grow into. And that's one of the analogies we, we talk about on this platform is the notion of seeds growing into whatever these respective things are. We always talk about it. So you just naturally did that. So what are the three seeds that you want to leave with the stewards of culture moving forward? What three seeds do you think are most important? The three C's that are most important. Your impact and your driving of culture mm. matter. Know why. Your why is more important than your how, your what, or your when. I always say to people that because I know that my why is to impact, inspire, and empower women, that I could do that on the street corner in Newark, New Jersey, where I'm from, the same way I can mm -hmm. do it at Griffith Park or on mm -hmm. a stage on a daily talk show. So know your why, your how, and your what, and your when matter less. But when you connect with your why, I think everything else, it's almost like that scripture, everything else will be added unto you. And so your why, know that you matter and then the last seed is like, you don't have to do it alone. And that is mm. for every black and brown woman or woman who has felt like she had to do it alone. Um, whether or not you find partnership in life, um, and we're not meant to do it alone. That would be the last thing. So your co-conspirators are as important as how you show up because there will be days and times when, you know, fatigue is real, um, when perhaps, you know, you don't want to, but having Astor Chambers say, look, you're onto something as a co-conspirator um, is really important. And I think, cause you know, those are the seeds that get watered the most. That's right. But look, I can't thank you enough for being a vessel of purpose, a true, genuine vessel of purpose who's sacrificing and pouring into others in such an amazing, amazing way. I just hope we are pouring into you enough so that you can continue to be the great, great representative that you are of helping to change lives and culture forward. So I thank you. I love you. I think you're amazing. And I'm so glad that I've been able to share a little bit of you with the many today. I love you, Master Chambers. I'm so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I'm just so grateful. Like, you know, like at a recent hike, um, I reposted. That was the hike in December, I think. Or was it the hike in November? I don't know. It was like a couple of months ago. But like the hike you posted something in your stories and I literally reposted and I was like bruh thank you so much for um pouring into me that was exactly the language that I used because uh, that's right and you do so intently and I must say that it feels different when it comes from someone who sees it even when you know you you could have not seen it. I I designed that space intentionally, you know, centering women. But I, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. And right. so every 
every it, it is for everyone. So I invite everyone who's listening to check us out and see when the next hike is. We'll be on the road to we have a retreat coming up in Bali that is for centering women, but they can bring other people too. Um, and we will have nice. spaces for men as well. So yeah. Thank you, Aster. Thank you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.